On today's episode of Locked On Sooners, we're going to get into what Brent Venables had to say about the offensive line, what's special about Billy Bowman, and his thoughts on the college football playoff on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, man, Brent Venable speaks. We listen. It's all about BV right now. So we had some great words from him about the offensive line, special teams played from Billy Bowman, as well as the College Football Playoff Committee. Anything that stuck out to you initially just from Brent Venable's kind of first post-game press conference um, or post-game media availability, I guess is the better way to say it, before we launch into the offensive line comment? Well, I think what you would expect, right? He's going to say a lot of positive things about Kent State, which is, hey, he's got this head coach thing down pad, baby. He's ready to go. Really, some of the the cuts that we have and we're going to share with everybody tonight, I thought was what kind of grabbed me the most, John. Well, let's hear what Brent Venables had to say about the offensive line play from Saturday's win over UTEP. Well, again, I think you look at the, you know, uh, the score and the game control at the end of the day, I think is important. And um, getting up 21 nothing, it happened in like 62 seconds, uh, I think is a great thing. You know, some people, oh, man, are you worry about scoring so fast? No. Uh, you know what it does? It puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the opponent whether you got to go out there and play again or not. You know how to, again, get off the field, go three and out. You know, play better. You know, play with better fundamentals and technique and, uh, you know, all those things. So uh, they were solid, you know, as a group solid. And we got to be, we got to finish better. You know, just if you said, what's the one area or where uh, do you need to improve it? Just we got to finish, finish plays better uh, from, from snap to whistle uh, with a tougher mindset and uh, be a little cleaner in some areas and protection and in the run game both. And, but finishing guys off, I think there's more to be had, uh, whether you give uh, the quarterback a little more time and keep him cleaner, uh, or, again, you're, you're finishing guys off on that second and that third level where you give an opportunity for, uh, to create more big plays. That's a really interesting comment because that's what we want to see out of this offensive line and really out of this team is big play production. And they had a few, I mean, had a you know big run by Eric Gray. Marcus Major had a big run. Obviously the Gavin Freeman run was huge. And then you had the Dylan Gabriel touchdown run, which was a 12 yarder. I think it's, it's good to note that while they played well and they racked up 259 yards of rushing, uh, Dylan Gabriel was only sacked a couple times that there's room for improvement still with this offensive line. And, and I think it's also worth noting that they didn't have their starting right tackle as well. Well, and I don't have that clip here for you. Maybe we can share it with you later in the week. But 
Dean Blevins had kind of followed up really that line of questioning right there about the offensive line, uh, just asking about Wanye Morris's status. And the update there from Brent Venables is when he's back, he's going to have the chance to be a starting guy for Oklahoma. I mean, he was point blank asked if, you know, Wanye Morris, when he comes back, is he someone that's going to have that chance to be right back into a starting role? And Brent Venables basically said, yeah, absolutely. So, no, you're right. That is uh, – it's an important loss for Oklahoma. You hope that Wanya Morris is back soon. And whatever issues collectively he's had, he puts behind him. And maybe that's one of the missing pieces to really make this a great Oklahoma offensive line. The other reason I wanted to share that clip with you, John, was the fact that first off, Brent Venables gets asked about Oklahoma's offensive line. How do you grade this group and tempo and how they're handling in everything? And I love that Brent Venables right off the top says something that I just we haven't heard a lot from head coaches, you know, when they talk about tempo. And it's always been something that kind of I've felt or thought we, we constantly hear that. Oh, well, you know, if you go too fast, it sets the defense up to be really, really tired and, and sluggish. And it sets them up to play from behind the eight ball. Brent Venables said, play better, play better defensively. I love that from him. We don't hear that a lot. Well, and also it's like play better offensively. If you're concerned about the offense going three and out and the defense having to get back on the field, like just be better, like all around, be better. And again, it's complimentary football. I think it's worth noting, like this is going to be a little bit different. I don't think we're going to get as much coach speak. He's like, we got up 21, nothing within 62 seconds. Like that's great. I mean, I have 62 seconds from the, the last possession that's a great thing. Like you can't be mad about that. And the, the obvious answer there is it does put a ton of pressure on the offense uh, to come out and actually try to score. So yeah, I, I like what he had to say there. I, I do think that when I kind of watched back through the game a little bit today, I did notice some areas where, you know, the offensive line was kind of getting put, pushed around at times, especially at left guard, you know, McCabe Matire, you know, this is a guy that we've been excited about. He walked in and was kind of a starter um from the get-go and there were a couple snaps where i saw him getting pushed back into the backfield and i don't know if that's just a you know still kind of getting his legs under him you know first game of the season sort of a thing it he didn't have anton harrison playing next to him again anytime you switch offensive linemen around it's going to throw things for a loop a little bit he had tyler guyton who had a, a solid game but again it's not the guy he's used to playing next to that can cause some uh some disruption to just timing and communication and all that stuff. So I do think that there's still room for improvement. I'm not necessarily concerned yet. Once we get kind of later into the season, if we're starting to see, you know, more of this offensive line kind of breakdown, then we might have some cause for concern, but again, it's still early in the season. The competition's not fierce just yet. And sometimes it takes time to kind of build your offensive line and build the chemistry and continuity and communication that goes into that. It's a whole different thing. Once you get from fall camp to uh, your first game of the season. Well, McCabe Mataller again is somebody that came to Oklahoma ton of hype around him because look, he's somebody that was a proven power five starter for 25 plus games at Cal, right? So that alone, you're, you're kind of just excited about the fact that this is somebody that's been through the ringer, but you know what? That's zero starts before this past weekend at the University of Oklahoma. So while that's great and that's a ton of experience, ultimately, yeah, if you're getting pushed around, then guess what? I'm looking at the depth chart from August 29th, right? I got it right here in front of me. 
guess what? If McCabe Mattier is not cutting it at left guard, then I got Savion Bird or Bray Walker behind him. I got the other side. I got Jake Taylor, Marcus Alexander, right? There's options to try, uh, especially Savion Bird and Taylor. I mean, those are two guys I think Oklahoma's really, really excited about. So if they need to, they'll try it. Yeah, this is by no sorry i'm blanking on words but by no stretch is the depth chart finalized like we have a lot of time to kind of figure out how this is all going to play out and, and settle in especially along the offensive line it's it's rare at least over the last couple of years for the offensive line to be settled week one into the season so i think we i, I still believe that mccabe entire is going to be a good player for oklahoma i just think it was one of those situations where maybe he, there was just a bad matchup on the other side of the ball or maybe it was the the loss of Anton Harrison next to him and having to play next to somebody new for the first time in possibly eight months. You know, like if if my guess is right, Matire, Anton Harrison, they've probably been taking almost all of the first team snaps together at the le- on the left side of the offensive line. So, um, you know, having to play with somebody new can kind of change things up a little bit, as I just talked about before. But coming up, we're going to talk a bit about Billy Bowman what he's added to the special teams unit. And we'll hear what Brent Venables had to say about that as well. First though, let me tell you about LinkedIn. Obviously they are the recruiting sponsor right here of the locked on network LinkedIn. uh, They're great. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders, LinkedIn jobs. It's here to help make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free create a job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your linkedin profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire it's why small businesses all rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers, where are they going? They're visiting LinkedIn. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, they apply. So Billy Bowman is someone that we are very, very excited about with what he's doing defensively for Oklahoma. John, I think you would agree just uh, that side of the football. I've kind of been harping on this all week, really just ever since 45-13 over UTEP went final that Reggie Grimes, Billy Bowman, and Danny Stutzman were, if you had three picks to click, right, three stars to share, it would be those three defensively for Oklahoma. Well, One, Billy Bowman. No, no, no. Not just Mr. Defense for Oklahoma. He has uh, brought something in the special department, and I love this from Brent Venables. I'd like to have that. I mean, that's that's part of our philosophy, and uh, Billy's a very uh, dynamic football player, and and he had a chance to score uh, for sure on on one. Uh, uh, If we get one one guy to do something a little bit better and um so billy is uh, again very dynamic and we got a lot of really good dynamic uh, skill guys so 
uh, but overall that that aligns you know uh, with who we want to be and an opportunity to score create field position create a big play uh, create momentum and you can do that in all three phases without question so I probably didn't do the finest job setting that up so let's backtrack just for a split second here and just tell you that the question to Britt Venables was, hey, Billy Bowman a couple of times in this game versus UTEP, several yards deep into the end zone decides, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and be aggressive and take this thing out. Is that something you want Oklahoma to be? And look, Britt Venables, you heard him right there. He says, yeah, absolutely that's who we want Oklahoma to be. That's my vision for this Oklahoma program. And, John, you're talking about somebody in Bowman that is a starting safety for you obviously now is a big piece of the special teams. And we talked about this over the course of the offseason leading into the year that I thought this was going to be an approach for Oklahoma. It needed to be an approach for Oklahoma. Too many times in the past, I get it. Hey, you got a great offense, so don't risk taking away from the offense. I understand the logic behind it. Great teams don't shy away from being great on special teams, right? I mean, great, not even great teams, great programs don't shy away bigger than a great team. The the trajectory of a long-term stability of a program, they're not scary cats about taking opportunities in special teams. In Oklahoma, again, has shown us with Billy Bowman, Brent Vittables right there. Look, they want to be explosive in special teams. And look, it, Fires me up, John. I can hardly speak. It gets me so pumped up. It's how, it's how this game's supposed to be played, baby. Three phases of football. That's right. You don't punt one area of the game because you're concerned about a possible turnover. Like, that's just deciding I'm not going to throw the ball because I'm afraid of it being intercepted. You don't just give up on one aspect that could ultimately change the course of a game for you if you're able to get a big play out of it. And I, and I think last year in particular – but also maybe even in 2020, there was zero trust in Oklahoma's ability to return the ball. I think a little bit with C- the C.D. Lamb kind of days, there was a little bit more tr- you know, faith placed in him to be able to make a big play happen in the return game. But it's good to see them saying, yeah, even if, if you get a good feel for what you're seeing in front of you, take off and go. And Billy Bowman made good decisions. I mean, Brett Venables was right. There was one time I thought he was about to break it and just go like, he had a chance and not just a, you know, an outside chance. I thought like one more missed tackle and he's gone. And I think that's the guy you want having the football. It seems like he's got really good vision for returning kicks, which is a huge aspect of that. And the toughness to be able to break tackles and make plays. And he's got the agility and elusiveness. And it seems like he's got good decision-making as well. He didn't return every single, you know, kick that came his way, but he returned two of them and he got, you know, I think the one of them got past the 25, maybe to the 30, and the other one, you know, just got to like the 20 yard line or so. Um, and so he he did a good job. I, I thought he was he was adequate and provided some potential that he could return a kick for a touchdown. I think that's going to be something that comes at some point this year. If I'm if I'm going to make a bold prediction, Billy Bowman will return a, a kick for a touchdown this season. It's a rarity in college football these days, but I think he's got the athleticism to make it happen. It's also really intriguing to see Marvin Mims returning punts for you. You know, your most important offensive player, aside from Dylan Gabriel, back there fielding punts, and he got blasted on one of them where he signaled fair catch, and the guy, I guess, just didn't see it or didn't care. Um, and then, you know, Marvin Mims kind of made a somewhat questionable decision catching it back on the five at one point in time. But 
also, do you let that bounce? And then you have to start at the two, who knows? So it, it's hard to judge those decisions in hindsight because you don't know what he's thinking uh, based on where the, um, the coverage unit is. If he's thinking, I got I to gotta catch this one and try and move it upfield because it's going to bounce and they're going to down it at the one, it's hard to say. So I, I do love the approach on special teams because you have, if you're going to be an aggressive team and you're going to have an aggressive mentality, you can't decide to play passive in any area because then it undermines your philosophy 100%. That's why I love the fourth down call you know, in the second quarter when they're trying to drive towards the end of the, of the half to get a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, you could punt it and just let your defense play. You've got an 11-point lead, no big deal. I think we would have probably questioned that decision, but it would have been reasonable and rational for him to go and punt. But I love the aggressiveness of, of going for it and picking up the, picking that one up and, and going for the touchdown to really just seal the half off in a nice way and get some momentum before the end of the half so that you could carry that into the third quarter. So big fan of the attitude, the mentality, and I love how it covers all three phases of the game. This is not necessarily directly correlated to that, but I'm just curious to get your take on it because I don't know that we've really, for all of, di- all of the different topics that we've talked about with the arrival of Brent Venables and now the start of this season and Oklahoma's want to know, is Brent Venables going to be a gambler at Oklahoma? You know, early in the early in the Bob Stoops era, you had the, the riverboat gambling Bob. It was a big part of big game Bob, right? I mean, it was synonymous with Bob Stoops. And that opportunity, of course, did not arise versus UTEP. I'm not expecting that opportunity to arise versus Kent State. And frankly, I don't think it's going to arise in Lincoln, Nebraska either. But what's sort of your early read on that? Will Brent Venables be somebody that surprises us here and there with some fake punts, some fake field goals and the like? Because, I mean, that was a hallmark of early Bob Stoops. And, uh, you know, even, even later in his tenure here and there in spot situations, he had, you know, surprise fakes that were huge for Oklahoma I don't know that I have a strong opinion one way or the other. My, I think my initial opinion is yes, but you know, I, I guess we don't really know in that regard, do we? I would say we don't know, but I would say everything that we know about Brent Venables to this point has me leaning yes, that he will take opportunities as they arise to you know go for a fake punt, fake field goal, onside kick out of nowhere. I don't think he'll be as aggressive as like Les Miles was you know back in his lsu and oklahoma state days but i think he'll pick his spots where you know the everything's kind of going oklahoma's way and uh, we're up you know two touchdowns now and hey we're gonna kick it onside kick or we're gonna come out of the half onside kick you, know, you just might might find it in a weird spot i think there will be times where we do see a, a fake punt especially if it's a fake punt run for michael turk the dude's like he's tough especially if it's a, like a short yardage situation He's a guy that you could snap the ball to and he could probably carry it for five, 10 yards. Like he's an athletic guy, played safety in high school. So he's got the athleticism to make some plays with his legs. I don't know his ability to throw the football. I I couldn't tell you there, but I imagine that he could throw it pretty decently. So it would not surprise me to see them, you know, throw some fakes out there. I hope that he's involved some sort of analytics into his decision-making that shows, I mean, People, they rail against analytics all the time, but there's a reason that it's kind of formulated and it's developed and become such a, a big part of the football consciousness is that there's, there's value in it. 
Yes, he's a defensive-minded head coach, but we saw on Saturday he wanted the football. How do you win football games? With points. How do you score points? You have the football. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to be one of these coaches that's just willy-nilly with the ball and like, all right, we didn't we didn't get our first down. We'll, we'll punt it. We'll let the defense do the job. No, you don't score points on defense. You can, but it's not as often as how you can score on offense. He's going to try and make sure his offense has the ball as much as possible, has as many possessions as possible. And so I think that's going to mean a lot of fourth down calls for the Oklahoma Sooners going for it, whether it's a fourth and two or fourth and one. I Shoot, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's like fourth and four from the opponent's 40-yard line. You know, if they're looking at like a 56-yard field goal or a fourth and four, it would not surprise me one bit to see him go for it on that in that in that situation because again this is going to be a very aggressive head head coach trying to emulate an aggressive attitude with his football team and you can't just do it on one side of the ball you got to do it everywhere and i would love to see them be an aggressive fourth down team it's not always going to work out they'll get stopped at times but that doesn't mean they should shy away from it well that's also you know you could get into saying okay well that's a lack of trust defensively or there's that it's also like trust in your offense right that these guys are going to go pick this thing up and they're going to, they're going to pick up that fourth down in these situations where Oklahoma takes that kind of a gamble. I just think that's going to be an interesting thing to follow with Brent, Brent Venables this season and beyond, because right now, I, I don't know. And I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to, okay, offensive minded coaches. Okay. Sure. Probably a little bit more, open to gambling on a fourth down where you go for it on your, with your offense. Right. Or I, I don't know. I mean, is there a rhyme or reason or does an offensive minded head coach, are they almost more conservative at times? Like, ah, well, if we don't pick up this fourth down, you would think that it would lend itself to them being more likely to go for it on fourth down. And then the, the special surprises, right? I mean, defensive minded head coach, offensive minded head coach, does it matter one way or the other? Just, just interesting to think about. Yeah, it's a really good question. I, you know, you're you're talking, and I'm thinking about Ron Rivera, another heavily defensive-minded coach that got the nickname Riverboat Ron from his time, you know, with San Diego, or yeah, then San Diego, and then Carolina. Now he's with Washington, but a guy who's also very aggressive in in his decision making. And maybe it's just one of those like, it's not a lack of trust in the defense; it's a complete trust in the defense that hey, we're going to go for it on fourth and one from the 50 yard line. If we don't get it, I trust my defense to get a stop. I'm not worried about it. So I'm going to go for it here because I, if I keep, if the offense keeps the ball, great. We have a better chance to score. If we don't, we're going to get a stop. No big deal. They'll just punt it right back to us. So maybe, maybe it's one of those, like a defensive minded head coach has more belief in his kind of that side of the ball where the offensive minded head coach may not have as much faith in the defense. And so may not make those same kind of decisions. I don't know. It, and it might be why we saw, you know, Lincoln Riley kicking 50-yard field goals at times when we think maybe why, why not go for it in that situation? Why are we settling for so many 50-yard field goals? Yes, Gabe Burkich can kick them, but should we be asking him to kick him, you know, that many times in a game or throughout the se- the course of the season? So, very very interesting thing. Any anything else you want to touch on on the special teams aspect? I thought Zach Schmidt kicked well. No issues from there. Yeah, no, that which is of course great to see when you're breaking in somebody new. You want to see it go well, and obviously Oklahoma saw that get off to a great start. I just love again. I mean, just off the top, Brent Venables, the aggressive nature in special teams. I think is a has been a, a missing link 
for Oklahoma. So I think it's great that that's finding its way back to the Sooners. Last thing we want to touch on, uh, Oklahoma Sooners now number seven in both the USA Today coaches poll and the AP Top 25. Uh, moving on up. I mean, it, it takes some teams losing in front of you to move up, but that's okay. Uh, I think what's interesting about this is I feel like a Brent Venables team that wins might end up getting more respect than Lincoln Riley's team did last year. You know, as we saw a team that was undefeated midway through the season, not ranked amongst the other undefeated teams at the top of the, you know, the college football playoff rankings. It, it just makes me wonder, especially if we, if we continue to see blowout wins like this or wins in which Oklahoma covers, they don't even have to blow teams out. If they just cover the point spread, will that be enough to, kind of raise the respect level for Oklahoma and, and bump them into that, you know, top four, top five, top six at some point later in the season. What do you think? Yeah. If they're playing good defense, right. If there's a tangible difference in what's going on on that side of the football for Oklahoma, and then all of a sudden you can attach it to, well, Hey, Brent Venables is now the head coach in Norman. And Oh, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but he brought in, Jay Valai, he brought in Brandon Hall, he brought in Ted Roof, he brought in Miguel Chavis. So it's Todd Bates, uh, the, dare I forget the poet tonight. You know, it's a total overhaul with the defensive staff for Oklahoma. So you see Oklahoma playing good defense, and all of a sudden they're winning convincingly and they're turning people over and doing all of that, and they're undefeated, then yeah, I think there's going to be a different type of respect or just a different narrative surrounding Oklahoma uh, because of who the head football coach is and who the assistants are. I mean, there's a belief that these guys, they're going to coach good defense, right? We've seen them do it. Yeah. And I have no reason to doubt that that's going to continue. I think what we saw against UTEP is kind of just the beginning. I mean, we saw an aggressive unit that was flying around the football. Obviously they'll face some tougher teams as we go along and, you know, better passing games, but UTEP's passing game wasn't bad. I mean, Against UNT, they they could have been more accurate. Hardison could have been more accurate, could have completed some some more passes, but they've got a couple of really nice wide receivers, and they're making some plays. And it wasn't because they were out of position or they were getting burnt in one-on-one -on -one coverages. UTEP just made plays. Uh, and so I, I'll be really curious to see how that translates later on down the road. I was looking for a picture of Miguel Chavis as you were talking because it, as I'm watching the game, the thing that stuck out is just these huge – uh, rap, you know, Oakley style sunglasses that he wears and just remind me of kind of like, I don't know, Terminator meets uh, Keanu Reeves from Bill and Ted's a little bit, you know, just this guy that, I don't know, he kind of has that feel to me. I can, I can crush you, but also, yo, what's up? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. It's like, you know, that this man is a crusher of souls if he wants to be. And yet he's kind of got like this surfer teddy bear vibe about him as well so it's like it's just the perfect match right i mean that's what you want in an assistant football coach at some point i don't know maybe that needs to develop into something else to be a head football coach for miguel chavis but i mean in terms of what he brings to the table as an assistant for ou i just think personality wise who he is i totally dig it i love uh, the energy he brings on the sidelines him racing out i told you uh the other day i mean him racing out and doing the fourth down sign. I was like, oh man, here we go. It's a new sheriff's in town, baby. And Norman. Yeah. These guys are fired up. 
for their guys. They're not laying back, playing cool. Like, no, nah, man, they're, they're right in the middle of it, cheering these guys on. Like they're, you know, they like, you could have pulled them out of the stands. And I think that's fun. Like, I think that keeps everybody's energy up, you know, and that's, that's going to be a really kind of fun thing to follow throughout the season because it's a long season. Like the grind of playing any sport, it, it becomes a grind at times. And you need that enthusiasm. You need that, you know, encouragement along the way to kind of keep you going because I mean, these guys have been working since January, you know, through, you know, uh, Jerry Schmidt's, you know, strength program, spring ball, summer workout, conditioning program, fall ball. And now here we are like, it's a long nine months just to get to this point. And then you've got a full season of football to play. So it's cool to, to see a group of coaches that are so enthusiastic for the game and for their players Cause I think that's going to help encourage these guys and, and help push them through what is a grind of a season. And it's guys that have done it. You know, DeMarco, he, you know, high level player, Miguel Chavis played in the NFL. Jay Valai was a big time player, you know, up at Wisconsin. Um, I'm sure I could, I'm, I'm missing somebody, but I mean, a lot of guys, La Damian Washington or L Damian Washington, like a dude who played high level college football, you know, had opportunities in the NFL. Like these are a group of coaches that know what it takes to endure the grind of a, a long football season. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, man, I'm pumped. Kent state it's coming. We got game two this Saturday. We'll have some thoughts on it as we get ready for the golden flashes. We might have to talk about where that ranks in terms of nicknames, um, in the college football hierarchy, but this is one of those teams that ranks in like the bottom 30 in most of those one to one thirty one rankings, um, in college football. So kind of on that same level of UTEP might not be a much of a challenge, but we'll still be able to learn a lot about our team. What's one thing just kind of real quick that before we get out of here, what's one thing that you're hoping to learn about the Oklahoma Sooners when they play Kent state in week two, that these young wide receivers can ball, right? I mean, we heard so much about that and yet saw none of it versus UTEP and UTEP you would have thought was the perfect scenario to to see a little bit of that so you know we got a little bit of a peek at Javante Barnes I know that he you know put the one on the ground but I'd like to see the young skill talent offensively for Oklahoma at the wide receiver position uh in part because I've been predicting that right I mean come on now guys <laughs> make, make me look smart out there but no uh, my predictions aside I just think that since we've heard so much about it okay well why am I hearing so much about it if I'm not seeing any of it in these, uh, you know, games, especially versus UTEP and Kent State, right? I mean, look, uh, I think Nebraska stinks like everybody else, but I don't know how many other opportunities a bunch of young guys that aren't right there at the top of the two deep are going to get after Kent State week, right? I mean, we'll see. So that's that's one thing for me. I'm sure there's others, but just off the top of my head, that's sort of the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, it's one of those things I'm, I'm interested in, in watching as well because, you know, I think – you got to give Jalil Fruk another opportunity to make plays and, and take advantage of his opportunities. You know, the, the one drop he had, I, I didn't like it. It wasn't great. Um, the ball was right in his hands and just didn't make the play. But I, I think we've seen what he can do. Um, you know, back in the Alamo bowl against Oregon, I think he had a really, really good performance at the same time. You've got guys that are good players waiting in the wings, like a Jaden Gibson, a Nick Anderson, an LV Bunkley Shelton, a you know, JJ Hester. There are op, you know, it's like we talked about with the offensive line. There are options. And so I think we need to start seeing those because Jaleel Fruk, he had the second most snaps out of your wide receivers on Saturday. 
maybe he played longer because the game was out of hand and, and you, you sat Marvin Mims and, and Theo Weiss. But, I mean, Marvin Mims played more than any other wide receiver on the day. Uh, so I, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, rotation at that spot, give some other guys some opportunities to play a little bit more. But, again, I'm not saying don't play Jalil LaFruit, but, you know, give somebody else a series. Like, see what somebody else might be able to do with those opportunities. It'll be interesting to see. We got a lot more to learn about this team. I think we got to see a little bit more defensively as well. And we'll continue to talk about that on Locked On Sooner. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. Help us reach our goal of 3,000 subscribers by the Red River Showdown. Right now, we're sitting at just over 2,600. So we've got a little bit of ways to go. But hey, you've gotten us this far. We know you're going to get us there. So make sure you smash the subscribe button. My brothers told me never say smash the subscribe button, but I had to throw it in there one time just for the YouTube, the YouTube element of the show. So until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.